opportunity. Forrest block it away. Appears for handball. It's Forrest deep through. He's smuggled it into the back of the net. Five minutes on the clock. And Derby have the lead through Bryson. It's Greg Bryson's 13 goals of the season. He's having a stunning season. Chris Martin's got a fair few, but Bryson breaking from midfield time and again this season. And here's Martin mid-time. Beautifully worked. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby. Bryson has another. Derby have another. And the Rams are pulling away. Oh, it's so, so simple, but so, so effective. And Forrest, just as they were coming back into the game, are just sliced open. And Bamford's got the ball away. It's been done really well. Chance for a third here. There we go. What a beautiful break that was from Derby County. And Jeff Hendrick gets in on the act. Russell takes it on. That is absolutely stunning from Johnny Russell. A firecracker into the back of the forest net. And it's four for Derby. Dropped in for the run of Bamford. Oh, and out comes Tyler. That's going to be a penalty. You have to wind back the clock. Two centuries, 1898, the last time Derby beat Forest 5 now. There was a man who got a hat-trick that day, and Bryson is the man who has the hat-trick this. The stuff that memories and legends are made of. Derby County 5, Nottingham Forest 0, and Craig Bryson joined Steve Bloomer in the history books of this fixture. Days like this, if you support Derby County, just do not come around very often. Craig Bryson's hat-trick has guided Derby to the very best of wins against Nottingham Forest. 112 years, the one and only time they managed a winning margin of this magnitude against their rivals from up the A52. I signed when I was about 13, I think it was. Um, it was originally a trial and then they offered me, it was a two-year two year contract and then obviously that was schoolboy and after that he went to scholarship and then professional. I think I read earlier on today, you moved to Nottingham at a young age, so it's, you came from down south to Nottingham. So who was you playing for when you got spotted? Uh, I was playing for Dunkirk. Um, I don't know it is, what area it is. It's, near, it's sort of near Lenton in Nottingham. I spent... Um, spotted by them when I was 13 it was Gary Bowie who, who took me to Derby so at the age of 13 you come into Derby and then within was it three years four years you made your first team debut yeah it was four years I made my first team debut in the championship that was against Hull um, and obviously the academy director at the time was the manager Terry Wesley so he um, had faith in me at the time and he gave me the debut so you debut under Terry Wesley and then Billy Davis came in. I don't think you played at all under Billy, did you? And then it was was it Paul Jewell came in after that and then yeah. dropped you back in. Yeah, uh, Billy Davis. It was strange because he gave me the pro contract um, at the time, and 
there was me, I think there was Mitchell Hansen and Jason Beardsley and we we never really got a look in. And looking back I probably never really did enough under him to even get a look in. And that season they got promoted so there was no chance he was gonna risk an eighteen year old centre half in the championship chasing promotion. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a hard time to come through as a as a youngster coming through then, wasn't it? So like what Miles is saying that we we had a quite a settled team and Billy Davis had his system of winning one nil with Steve Howard header every week. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then obviously we had the Premier League season which which you talk about what are your kind of memories of that time Matt? well we talk now about transition don't we and that time that two years were just so turbulent wasn't it and you mentioned there the the Billy Davis season and I, I remember that season obviously we, we got through via the playoffs and going down to sort of Southampton because I went to the league game I went to the playoff game went down and I remember they just pummeled us in the league game there and it's like you say 1-0 Howard and, uh, and we, we just everything dropped in our laps that season didn't it I can remember a similar game South End away to go top of the league in January they battered us and it was 1-0 Howard it's just, there was so many that year where it was just like the, the system they had in place so during the Premier League season then was you just involved with like the, the 18s and reserves uh, well literally just as Billy Davis had left Paul Jewell came in and the, the young pros were training with the first team but then after a certain period of time we got told to go and train with the academy Um we didn't really know how to deal with that at the time. I think I sulked for about two or three weeks, and then after that, that's when I really started to knuckle down, and that's when Paul Jewell saw something in me and gave me my Premiership debut. Do you remember where your debut was? Yeah, uh, uh, what, well, in the Premiership? Yeah, Blackburn. Oh, okay. yeah. Is it Blackburn at home? Oh, no. oh the away game when oh, Kenny Miller. Yeah, Kenny Miller yeah. put his one nil up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And everyone was dressed up in the wire and get. I know Derby were relegated, like bottom of the table with 11 points. I've never known such a party atmosphere. When, when Miller scored, it was. And I remember uh, my daughters, they, they managed to pick up a rubber ring and armbands and whatever was going, and they were doing a cong around the terraces, and I thought, we're losing 2 1 here. What's going on? Yeah. Just, yeah. It was a brilliant day. From that poor season, then the start of the next season that's when you really like got in and kicked on so I remember one of the first was your first goal against Sheffield Wednesday yeah yeah uh, I think that season I come back for pre-season I had a hernia injury as well so I missed pre-season so I was, I was playing catch up um, luckily the, the boys started so poor that um, he gave me the first start that season I think was in the cup of Preston away in centre midfield but the week before we'd played Leicester in the reserves and he said um I need someone to just play midfield and I said I'll do it and then luckily he put me in midfield and then the week after I made my uh, first start of the season um, and then to be honest I never looked back those, first, those next 10 games were just, just went like that it was a whirlwind because we were playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday I was looking at I was, the money going into my bank I was like what? Didn't, didn't really know what was going on it was all like I, I couldn't grasp it at the time I wish, like, looking back now I wish I would have enjoyed it a bit more than I did yeah. Yeah. I think it was something like 15 consecutive games you went on to play after that that's off memory so that might be wrong but I think it was something like you made your debut and then went on to play like 15 consecutive league games that must be for what was it, 18 at the time 19 19 so 19 year old lad going from having yeah. a bit of a bit part to 15 games already. Oh, does that affect you does it, or, or like you say does it you just take it in your stride yeah at the time like, I, when I'm looking back I didn't really realise what was going on it was just I was just sort of playing football um, but I, like looking back like, you know it's the second it's a division below the best division on the planet um, and I was, I was really doing well at the time um, I think I missed a game with suspension and then I was obviously back in I don't know how many games I played that season I think it was 36 or 38 I'm not sure but um, just like I say the, 
we we went on a really good run. I think we got to top ten, and then we started to fall away. I think I think we lost Dean Leacock, who was massive for us. Then he got a bad injury, and then we were just trying to fill gaps. And you could see towards the end of Paul Drew's reign that he his head wasn't in it, um, and his heart wasn't in it. I think. I don't know if it's right or not. I think he, I heard he offered his resignation about a month or so before he Adam Pearson actually took it. So, and I think you could tell at the time. You could definitely tell. I remember hearing at the time that when he took over from Billy Davis, I think he said, "I'll take over, but I don't want to take over the season." He kind of took over a team yeah. rooted bottom of the of the Premier League, and then he's kind of tarred with the bush of you're, you've managed the worst team in history. And then he's had, he's had the hangover from that. It was it was a long old hangover as well, wasn't it? From that season onwards, it was a good probably five six years, wasn't it, till the derby actually started to recover? Yeah, it, it was. Um, those green shoots, it took quite a while to, to see them coming through again, didn't it? And it was a, it was a club in shock, I thought, for, for at least sort of 18 months to two years um, until sort of Nigel came in and, and uh, well, basically he just, he just cleaned everything up, didn't he? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was strange times at the club, very strange. So you've gone from, you've played 37, 38 games in the first season. What, in, going into the next season... Was it injury that affected you? Yeah. That season ended early for me because of injury, and then I was carrying that injury into the following season. I don't. I still. I think I managed to make. make I don't know how many in that season. 10, 12 with and I was playing with the injury, and then in the end, I think it was the following January that we got it sorted. Um, so I, yeah, it, I think we would have got it sorted early doors and I think my derby career would have been different it would have finished a bit different but it, it didn't so do you think that's what kind of slowed your progress down because you kind of came in achieved a lot straight away and then it, it kind of slowed down and then you ended up moving on do you think without the injury or finding the injury earlier that would have probably gave you the chance to kick on a bit more yeah I believe so it was, everything's different um, but I think at the time I was, if I would have finished that season fit then I definitely think things would have been different in the following season Nigel Clough coming in new manager you've got to prove yourself all again um, and carrying an injury didn't really help but like you say Nigel Clough came in he cleaned it up wasn't really exciting you know it wasn't like the time where Derby were going up with Billy Davis you know it was quite exciting obviously the football wasn't great but it was exciting to be around the club I think when Nigel Clough came in he cleaned it up and sort of just levelled the club out you know I don't really think the fans really look well buzzed to come to the games anymore do you know what I mean but then with the change the following when Nigel Clough left obviously the Derby came back up again what was Nigel like to play for? Because I know it was, it, as a Derby fan at the time, which I was, it was quite, an, like you say, an uninspiring period of like watching. It was like, yeah, he basically had a job to do. And I think looking back, he quite he achieved his... It's saying that, but there was, amongst the sort of the times where we thought, oh no, yeah, we've got to go and watch. But the crowds were good. And sometimes, particularly when uh, Commons was on song and people like that, there were some fantastic games, wasn't there? When you think, you know, I mean, the, the back-to-back Forest games that season in the cup and then the league um, was it the Oval game where the the perfect goal was scored by Bryson and, yeah. and, and things like that. So amongst sort of the, the time to think, oh, God, not another day. Yeah. There was some there's some good stuff as well that brightened it all up. The, the Spanish lad with the black hair who played, yeah, yeah Bueno when he was playing, and uh, and we got Holson at, uh, at the top. Yeah. It was, uh, there was there was some good performances amongst it. People seem to forget that sometimes. So from then you went on loan to Barnsley first? Yeah. Was that your decision or was that the club trying to get you fit? Um, I don't know, cause it was strange because I'd literally just signed a, a two-year contract with them. They tried to give me a four-year contract at the time. or I think it was a three-year contract they offered me. 
and I said no, nah, I'll, I'll just take a year off, a year off it, two-year contract. Which, and then I thought, yeah, I'll come back for pre-season. And then they said, oh, but we've had a few clubs coming for you on loan. I, I was just like, I was quite baffled at the time. And then I think it was whittled it down between them and Crystal Palace. And I think I was I was quite young then, still 22. So I didn't really want to move away from home, especially down to London. So I just chose Barnsley um, under Key Phil, who's who's absolutely mental. But uh, I, I quite like him. But he's mental. Um, I started with the season Barnsley playing, and same again, injury rocked me again, and I couldn't get back in the team because they were doing so well when I was trying to come back. Yeah. Mm. So from Barnsley on to. Bournemouth and then signing for Bournemouth permanently. What was it like playing for Eddie Howe? Yeah, he's he's good. He's the most professional man I've ever met in uh, in football. You know, he's, he's the cones aren't the same colour on the training pitch, and you know he makes sure that's right. He's every inch and he covers everything. You know, you come into training and there's boards. He's got their team. This is on the Monday. You know, teams I've been in for they normally just start prepping for the teams they're playing against Thursday, sometimes Friday all the time. But he would start on the Monday, and he'd drill it into you all the way throughout the week that you know what you're doing on Saturday. Some footballers with a different attitude will think that's a bit too much. Like oh, I'd rather just play a game of five aside. But is that, is, does that help you and give you a mindset of like a bit of extra confidence? Or like you say, some some lads don't really take to it. But he he was. When he first came in, he was so quick to realise who, who wasn't on board, and he got rid of him like that. And he was being at the, he was at the club before, so he had the likes of Harry Arter that he already knew, um, Simon Francis, Charlie Daniels, and Steve Cook. They they were already they were ready for the Premiership then, even in League One. So he didn't really have much to do with them. So it, it's sort of like he, he was so quick to spot who wasn't gonna take to what he's got and then that's why he's done so well now he's, he's, he's picking players that he knows will listen to what he's going to do because some players with bad attitudes that were there to start with good players but they wouldn't listen to what he wanted to do so he got rid of them You was captain there weren't you? Yeah What was the reason for you, you moving on from there? So we finished I f- finished that I played every game up until I think just after Christmas at Bournemouth where I got another injury and then the lads did so well from there to the end of the season they got promoted obviously so he he sort of took captaincy off me because I didn't play the second half of the season he gave it to Tommy Elphick I think where did I go on I think the second season I went on the middle of the season I went on loan to Rotherham uh, under Steve Evans absolute psychopath Um, (laughs) well I spoke to Nigel Clough about him in the past and I know them two are like yeah, loggerheads aren't they yeah 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 <laughs> Steve <laughs> went on like, so, so you're not a Steve Evans player <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and then was at Rotherham we got promoted from League One again so I had two League One promotions on my CV at that time then uh, after there the final year I went alone to Scunthorpe beginning of the season come back because of injury and then I finished that season on loan at Blackpool yeah. in the Championship which under Lee Clark who is my favourite person in football you know I'd share his beliefs and um, I used to watch him growing up so everything he used to say I just used to listen to probably the last thing we'll speak about but a, a moment you'll always be remembered for is obviously scoring two perfectly good goals in a 3-1 win <laughs> yeah the 3-1 the 3-1 draw against the 12 men of Forrest and Stuart Atwell what are your memories of that? Um, I think the game was quite it was quite tense it was a poor game it was, it was, they normally are quite poor games anyway um 
but it was really tense. I remember at half time I got I got um Paul Jewell told me what he thought of me, got my first half performance. Then I went out for the second half and you know I had the bit between my teeth and like I said, he scored two perfectly good goals, stood that well made his decision but every time I've seen him since he, he's always apologetic every time <laughs> still apologising yeah. no. was you there Matt? I was there I was sat up in the East Stand I was a East Stand season ticket holder at the time and I, I can just remember it was just two or three minutes of absolute chaos and just people who were sat beside me in front of me just like looking around, like this what's going on what is going on here it was just I don't know whether he was trying to even things up because he thought the sending off he'd, he'd given against Forest was a little bit harsh but just to keep on evening it up over that three minutes was just... It's like he got himself into a circle of like, oh, I've made a wrong decision and then trying to write it and then trying to write that wrong one. And it was just just decision after decision where he thought, this can't get any more, like... Well, you, do, you, you do get tit for tat, ref, and we've all seen it. They, they know they've, they've committed a bad one and uh, and the managers will let them know at half-time if they get a chance that they've committed a bad one and they'll let the fourth official know. And normally they will even it up once. But to do it twice, um, where was VAR that day when we needed it? <laughs> I remember one of my biggest memories of was Campy and goal sa- uh, saving Nasser's penalty and then yeah. celebrating like that's it and yeah. then like the ball coming in and yeah. then and then I just remember like I didn't know what was going on that that was a, I think the sense in the ground was like we don't know what's yeah, happening it because I think it, you I think you were the only Derby player that didn't realise that he'd give a free kick because yeah. you were still wheeling away yeah, and then like yeah, yeah. towards the bench and then starts we, we assumed he'd blown for full time when the second one because yeah. we thought well it's a perfectly good goal so the only way that it isn't he, he's blown for full time but when he'd actually blown for a, a foul it was just like what did uh, what did Paul Jewell have to say after was he, I bet he's raging wasn't he in the, in the change room he was just he was kicking everything <laughs> I've never seen a reaction like it um, yeah, I told him back from going to knock on Atwell's room um, he didn't say anything about the game he was just kicking everything we were all it was silent dead silence I've never been in a change room like that after a game where you've not been absolutely battered where it was just dead silence no one was looking at each other we were all just looking at the floor the staff like they went and hid in the physio room it was it was like a weird situation in that change room after very strange <laughs>